Do you know what your partner's up to when you're away and they're all alone? No, what? They're listening to the Screw Podcast, of course. What's that? Mm, sit back, relax, and listen. You're all gasmatics. You're all gasmatics. Sneaking in the back door with dirty magazines. So your mother wants to know what all the stains on the jeans. And you're all gasmatics. Thank you for tuning in to The Screw with Felicia Rose and A-Love. Hey, A-Love. Hey, how are you? I'm so excited today. Just so great. We're just going to jump right into it. This week, we have on our special guest for our roundtable discussion, talking about queerness in media in general. They are... Hold on. I'm I'm reading right now. Because what I want to say is they are the backbone to everything we do. But instead, I have notes here. They are the boner to everything we do. (laughs) They're the the Screws audio producer and producer in general. And also NQO's producer as well. But NQO's media historian in residence. Or something like that. (laughs) B. Jordan, welcome to the show. I've been here the whole time. (laughs) You sure have. And we're so happy to have you on because it's funny when we were literally thinking about who to bring on, it hands down, no question was you because everything that we talk about, you add to when it comes to most of our conversations, but especially this. So I'm so happy to have you on and thank you for making the time for us. Thank you. Yeah, I'm also eminently gettable. So, <laughs> oh, and you like are that. just. <laughs> Filled with one-liners. It's just <laughs> filled with something, that's for sure. <laughs> oh my so, God. Aaron, I know you have a series of questions. Do you want to just jump right into it? Yeah. So, I mean, you've heard, <laughs> I know you've heard, and this is not like our usual guest, but maybe you listened to the last <laughs> episode. You definitely listened to the all the episodes in this series. And, you know, one of the things that, like, I always struggle with and have for many years is the idea of how to find and stay up to date with like things happening in queer media, gaming, comic books, the whole nine yards. What is your main resource? Like, how do you, how do you stay, you know, up to date and follow up? And how do you hear about this shit? For me, I think it is a symptom. Um, This is an ADHD thing, I think, is (laughs) I can't spend a moment alone in my own brain. So in addition to being younger, you know, I'm 28, so I, the continuum of, like, video game production is something that, like, I got locked into, Mm. like, the way that studios are now, I was still, like, grasping at everything that I could get to as a teenager, so it's, like, something that's habitual, but also, when we talk about the, the places where we, the conversation's been missing out, because we've been doing really heavy on, uh, film and TV, is I only recently got back into comics like last year. But really what that is, is I wanted to, and the community for queer people who are reading these books is really vast. And Mm. it's kind of, maybe it's part of it is like a fandom literacy thing. You have to like let people drag you along to stuff, Mm. which is always the way it's been, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was thinking that in terms of like, you know, when we were having the conversation about, you know, the kind of representation of video games, I was like, you know, this is such bullshit because like on some level, 
I know, because I'm like, I, I like to call myself a partial or honorary nerd, that like for all of these years since, you know, I was invited to my first D&D game in eighth grade in Maryland in, in the schoolyard before like classes started, <laughs> I was like, how does this work? Um, that like, we are heavily embedded in like, in, in these these areas are, are very queer in nature to begin with. Science fiction and, and all of these things have always had, you know, a difficult time wrestling with like how they they represent characters and represent things and like you know the kind of loud and mouthy fan base versus like the heavy fan base of queer people that we know are taking in this kind of media and it's kind of like fuck you two characters out of 34 characters i does not mesh up to like mm. the actual like fandom and listeners that are participating in these kind of things yeah and that's actually really it's very uh, capital con- subsumes all critiques of itself vibes. Like, cause what it is, is everything you've ever liked, like as a medium, as a genre was gay first. <laughs> right. <laughs> or, you know, in a lot of cases relegated to uh, some other marginalized group, like women invented computers, like right. Ada Lovelace right. and those people who, and then that like, she like handed it off to Alan Turing. And right. now there's all these tech jobs where, you know, 24-year-old bros are making, like, $150,000 a year doing, like, general computer shit in a system that was, like, all the groundwork was laid by, like, women and queer people. Um, the same is true with, like, electronic music. Wendy Carlos is, like, the GOAT, and she was, the, she was a trans woman who was, like, the first person to ever get really into synthesizers. And we're still like that today. Right. I I actually read about her recently, very, very recently. Mm -hmm. There's like a great YouTube thing that I saw, you know, where she's like first, you know, showing all these like tubes and wires and creating, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, holy crap. And there's a really great video of her like boy moding and wearing like these, I, I can't tell if they're real or not because at the time all sideburns looked fake. (laughs) she's like doing this presentation full stealth about what a synthesizer do and it's kind of miraculous how like the continuum of everything is so obvious like we're talking about video games and how like stuff you can do alone in your house is very frequently some of the gayest shit <laughs> right. If you don't have to risk your life to engage with something, it's much more likely that queer people are going to sit and do that shit all the time. Uh, right. Actually, when you talked about old uh, video games and like how original to the queer community all this nerd stuff is, I do want to shout out the first gay video game I think that we know of. It's called Caper and the Castro. Uh, it was released on the <laughs> Apple II in 1989, and you can play it. Listeners can play it right now on archive.com. Oh, my God. I hooked up with somebody by that name in the cast room, actually. <laughs> Caper. <laughs> yes, definitely. I'm so you glad we brought you on. You're the perfect person to have on. <laughs> so, correct me if I'm wrong. I would say, you know, these areas of, like, gaming and... Um, you know, comics are still quite behind, like, in comparison to, like, television and movies and, you know, even even music, for that matter. Um, you know, is there any 
particular area that you would love, you know, just personally as like, you know, a nerd. Um, <laughs> I love, I, I love the word nerd. Um, is there any area in entertainment, including all these things that you would really like to see an increase in representation? This is so funny. I'm, I'm, I'm finna shoot on liberalism yet again. Um, <laughs> but the trick is that I would love to see more representation in TV and movies, right? Because the thing now is I think a lot of people saw Matt Damon on Hot Ones talk about this. You know, like Academy Award winning writer Matt Damon, who like on his first try with Goodwill Hunting got that Oscar. He's a world renowned movie star. He can't be in like real movies anymore, right? Mm. Movies that, you know, uh, Bros is an anomaly that it's like a medium sized rom com. Because the industry that supports like film distribution doesn't know how to do that shit anymore. Hmm. But right. in comics, in uh, video games, in mediums, in media where the barrier of entry is lower, it's much more diverse. Because, like I was saying, if you know, like Undertale is a really good example. The game came out in 2015, and it has four or five queer characters, like textually queer characters in it. Wow. And, you know, the player character is just like a child. So is like intrinsically non-binary because the kid doesn't say anything. It's just like maybe it's a boy or a girl. But the the kid's gender is kid because they're wearing a striped <laughs> shirt. And that game, that's a huge game. It's, you know, huge critical and uh, incredible sales on this. Mm. But it was mostly programmed and put together by one person. And wow. there is there, there is no film that, you know, like no offense to the work that Felicia does every day, but there are very <laughs> few kind, movies you can make just alone. And mm. the bigger the crew has to be and the more expensive it has to be, the less interested they are in portraying marginalized people truthfully. Because if you are... I'm trying to think of a movie producer who isn't Harvey Weinstein. But if you're like a big studio producer, if you're like at Sony, and it is your ass when you're saying that we need to spend $50 million on this, you are almost never going to say, I want to do something interesting. You're going to say, I want to do something that will definitely make us money. And you know, so like in here is always the the crux from where like I sit, you know, and I think you're right. You know, the more I think about this, you know, tokenism representation is not like mass representation. Mm -hmm. It, it's adding an afterthought character almost every time rather than like staging, you know, queer characters as central, you know, to a story. And like, you know, what I hear a lot is like, okay, well, the risk is what are the numbers of like, you know, if queer people alone are the only ones and let's say they all go see it, isn't it enough people for it to be worth like mm -hmm. us budgeting for something like this? And like, Here's the thing, people go and see movies like you, <laughs> you are not, nor do you believe in Santa Claus, but maybe you go and see a Santa Claus movie, right? The strength of a tale or a story or entertainment is like how entertaining it is, mm -hmm. not do all of the people in the audience necessarily relate to the character. You know, it's, it's like, 
relatability sure it's important and like engagement but it's not always like the most important thing to draw people into purchasing or participating in it right mm -hmm. you know and like i'm thinking what was one of the best you know and we we didn't mention this yet but like going to sense eight and of course sense eight yeah. was was canceled by you know by the wachowskis wachowskis oh my gosh i had such a hard time with that word <laughs> um and you know this thing i remember just from you know the beginning of it like the level of representation they were trying to go for in that and then like not and not just do representation do like like fucking steamy fucking sex scenes with like <laughs> eight people or whatever and 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 it was really amazing and i did think you know man maybe this is going to actually be a turn and a change you know in in what we get to see because you know people people did come out to see it they were really pissed off when it was canceled and and you know um one was hoping that we would just see like an avalanche of those things happening well the and trick like, with that right is that was their blank check right like the mm. the woman who brought you the matrix can do one th well one and a half things they got to do cloud atlas too or jupiter cloud atlas jupiter ascending jupiter ascending they got to do that, which was a mistake. But then they got to do a TV show too, which yeah, wasn't like not just representation, but you're talking about like verisimilitude. Like, right? It is weird for a piece of media to have one queer person in it, because I have never seen one queer person in my life. Like, I'm out here, with, like I'm out here with NQL all day. Like, we come to work and do the meetings, and it's just I, I, I my, me and my, all my beloved faggots. And then when I stop working, I spend all my time with my dyke wife and all our gay friends. There is never one queer person. Right. So right. when we're talking about that, that is like an actual portrayal of like a reality that people experience. And that's something that like, especially when you were really get going in on boys is those are like several queer people, but it's like one kind of white gay man, capital G, capital M gay man, <laughs> where the community, like the family, like mycelium of queer people really does like get all, everybody. But also this is a thing where we are disproportionately poor mm -hmm. and that is part of it. Like we're all on re relatively working class so we can connect on those uh, experiences mm -hmm. more. And as I'm always saying, there's like a historical precedent to our, like this, the, the micro intersectionality of the alphabet soup people. Yes. <laughs> Everybody knows when there's twinks in trouble, there are dykes who can fix it. And there's like an, ecos there's an ecosystem. Oh, that is that is fucking beautiful. There's an ecosystem but... that we're all like familiar with and lived in, but mm -hmm. you never see. And that's why Undertale was one of my favorite examples because you know there's a not that's that's a game where there's a non-binary ghost who was like very best friends with like a drag queen ghost who inhabited a robot and now is like a superstar for monsters. And you meet a dweeby little anime nerd lizard scientist who has a big lesbian crush on the captain of the guard who walks around in plate armor and screams at people. And like the, the texture, it's about the texture of how if, if people were straight, we wouldn't have had to invent it. 
Mm. So mm. when queer people are engaging with media that portray like everyone is some kind of queer, and right. the like that's that's taken for granted, and their like shared diversity is like a demonstration of queer power in the text. Thank you for like like that was not something I was thinking about earlier. Like you know when I think of like. You know, and, and obviously we try to nail this down at, you know, NQ all the time. Like queer is essentially the norm. Your variants of like, you know, this this kind of like stereotypical sitcom-esque representation of of, of couples and, and couples with children and marriage doesn't really exist anymore in the, mm. the current idiom. So, you know, <laughs> when 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 I think of like how wonderful it would be to actually see the trueness, right? And this is the deficit again with bros. I've been thinking, what would have actually made that movie better? Rather than just critique, they say, don't just criticize something. You should have a, a, a recommendation or a suggestion for improvement as well. They should have done that movie and followed several different characters, like, like several of the characters, very ensemble casts. Like mm. let, if you want to do this, make one of the stories about your your white bro, you know, struggling stereotypical faggot in New York City. And then like make it about one of the other characters, maybe from like the, the foundation he's starting, right? Like, and have that foundation, the uh, you know, an important like idea, a queer, you know, they're trying to do a queer history uh, mm -hmm. foundation or whatever, right? Like how fucking fabulous if you had followed several of the lives of the people who decided to get involved. Cause that's where the most diversity is happening in the film is at these foundation meetings. And he decides to just make fun of all of them. And it, yeah, it's so and weird it. to make the movie about queer <laughs> history and, but then tell such a, like a narrow, relatively Story. ahistorical, which is not bad, right? Like a lot of movies aren't about sure. history. But sure. if you're going to, like, talk about it, like, talk about it maybe a lot. Right. Well, because what is the thing that keeps happening here? Basically, these fucking, you know, uh, cis, queer, white folks just keep thinking that if they tell any other stories, like, you don't think fucking poor people have funny lives? Fucking funny shit happens if not more funny than the lame shit that happens <laughs> in your fucking life, <laughs> you know? They like, see that as depressing though. Right, right? I like, know. Oh, exactly. poor, poor people, their lives must suck. There can't be anything good coming from there, you know? Right. You don't want to make a sad rom-com. This is, this is not, I, no, they had, no, yeah, Lexington Hughes was gay. Um, yeah. <laughs> in his memoir, The Big C, he talks about this a lot, about, you know, he had, his mom and his stepfather lived in Harlem, and his dad was like a rancher in Mexico. And on a couple of, the couple of occasions he visited his father, that motherfucker was like so miserly and grim. And he had like all these resources and all this land and all these heads of cattle or whatever. But he had no joy in his life at all. But his broke ass parents, like every time they were able to scrape money together, it was automatically like the party fund because when your life is hard, like hard, hard, uh, you have to make it work. <laughs> it's just yeah, like no. things become fun because, you know, not to be like, uh, use your imagination, kids. It's a rainy day outside. But we have right. to make our own fun all the fucking time. Exactly. And that's why we fuck more. 
Um, just the reality, you know, what can I tell you? you, you I know. mean, look at pride as the perfect example of that. We had to do that. We had mm -hmm. to create a place for people to march and speak out and show representation. And we turned it into a big ass motherfucking party <laughs> because you have to find the party in the, mm -hmm. the grim, if you will. Absolutely. And I mean, and, and that has been like, you know, there are important stories to tell and, you know, we didn't actually talk, touch very much on books and novels and like the media thing, but like, you know, I'm glad you brought up like Langston Hughes because, you know, here's something historically that we've had a, a very long history of like, you know, participating in, right? From like the mm -hmm. early Edmund White, Edmund White, you know, novels about his, you know, kind of well-to-do white queer upbringing, um, you know, but like, you know, we, we've been talking about this and, and, and I turned to my partner the other day and I said, you know, we have always been right there at the helm vying for power. Right. You know, like, like think of like in Islam, right. The Sufi, the Sufi poets, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and some of that is very controversial, but like queerness has like always been like, kind of like, fighting to be shown through the forefronts always. You know, there's always been one of us, like, uh, who am I thinking? Uh, Rustin Bayard, you know, mm. was, is, 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 I'm out. Yeah, sorry. My words flip. This is the sleep deprivation <laughs> thing. Um, is MLK, mm -hmm. right? Like, is the Million Man March, is everything that happened with civil rights at the time. And, you know, his queerness, itself wasn't put at the forefront and he was kept in the shadows for a long time until MLK really started like, you know, hanging with Malcolm X and like taking on some more social vista values and trying to talk about some of these things in solidarity. It took the Black Panthers a hot minute to decide that queer movements should be included in, in what they support and the intersectionality of, of where they were at the day. So, you know, we have always been there. And I don't know if any of you went like to drama in high school or, or in school. Yeah, but are there drama theater kids in the audience? Right. So, right. So the, the, right. Exactly. So, you know, we used to call fucking theater class, gay class and that, you know, you have, we are like heavily in the creative arts mm -hmm. <laughs> and shamedly so. And, and I wonder in all these conversations, if like some of the pressure does have to be start being put on and the internal levers of of those of us that are participating in, in in these entertainment things about actually pressing our narrative and solidarity together a little bit harder. I can't imagine how many queer people have either written, co-written, or been a part of writing these stupid heteronormative rom-coms. <laughs> you know, maybe somebody needs to start speaking up and say, hey, fucking enough is enough. There's I mean, only total, so many. It's probably many millions, right? Like right. Right. Like if, we're, if we're counting like hair and wardrobe and the people who are writing and composing, like if we're counting like literally all the people who are responsible for like the stuff that we care about, it is certainly in the millions, even though like very rarely do we actually learn their names, like, right. like Howard Ashman, who was so important for like every American, maybe possibly every Anglophone child. I don't know, like the penetration of Disney right. all over the place, but... You know, we wouldn't have Beauty and the Beast was him. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors was him. I think wow. Oogie Boogie is only a reference to how his style. 
But, you know, mm-hmm. he was the, the, the gay man, like the librettist or whatever, who said, why go slow when you can go fast? Who can go black when you can go white? And through him is, like, the his influence in that company. We got, like, Ursula, who is the oh my God. Little Mermaid character based on Divine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, wait, that's amazing, because I always thought that since the first time I fucking saw it. Yeah, like, they so that, were si- like these are people who are sitting in the room, and they're like, the big one from the John Waters movies, let's put her in The Little Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> the one who ate shit in a film. <laughs> yeah, and that's what it is, is like, when you're talking about manipulating the levers of power inside, I want to shift over to comics a little bit, because, mm. you know, the thing with... With comics publishing is like everything else, um, you can do it for real cheap, or you have to do it with like the mouse's blessing. Um, Marvel Comics is owned <laughs> by Disney War- now. Warner or Disney? Marvel's Disney. Uh, DC is Warner. Ah, got but you. Those are the two media companies, right? So, right. and they would want to be cautious about everything. Fucking Warner in specific, right? The two movies that they decided that would be okay and profitable to release after their new CEO got in were uh, Don't Worry Darling and Black Adam. So the thing is, they don't know what makes money. But <laughs> because they think they do, they're really busy trying to manipulate like the biggest risk ventures, which is like movies mm. and stuff. Whereas there are like work for hire, like contract artists and authors making big two comics who were like, they don't fucking care what we're doing. I'm going to make this the gayest shit you've ever seen in your life and not tell anybody. That's beautiful. And that's still part of the shout out to um, the ex office. I guess I don't know who all is in it, but specifically Teeny Howard, Leah Williams and Vita Ayala, who are three queer authors who... Mm can all write hard as fuck and they're so good at it and they're so good at including representation Vita Ayala is a non-binary uh Bariquay writer and their shit is incredible mm. I want to shut them out in particular because that is many layers of things but they're all incredible um if you're not sure about comics but are gay check out exterminators x hyphen terminators right now check out uh knights of x the let's I like kiss a girl on panel our old heads are so excited about that but she's not japanese anymore so it's even better <laughs> see that sounds crazy she wasn't supposed to be <laughs> japanese she was japanese on accident for 30 years but she's a white british woman <laughs> and this is the thing too that some of this media is impenetrable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, see, I, I, you know, I was thinking about this while you were speaking, B. I remember, like, when when I first met you and, like, just kind of paying attention to the kinds of things you were paying attention to. Uh, I think something came up and I would, you know, ask something either about a comic or, like, the querying of some comic, you know. And, like, you immediately supplied sources for me to go and, like, see said things. And I was like, that's fucking awesome. It's like having a Wikipedia at your, like, what's like what's Yeah, on every time I'm like, what's that thing with that thing? And B's just like, oh, this. And then gives me, like, the history of it all of the people that are involved the writer the director every <laughs> actor amazing. whatever it might be you know i'm just like you're that's it's perfect my and, question for you is mm. what is 
the first thing that you remember as, you know, what's the first queer character? What's the first queer piece of media? What's the first thing that you remember growing up that, you know, I know we've all seen things that we, it didn't necessarily mm -hmm. register to us that it was queer, but what was the first thing you were like, that's queer. I like that. Or even if you didn't like it. <laughs> I'm thinking about it because this is really interesting because for me, sent, like if I'm the center of the observable universe, right? Like I look <laughs> out from myself and see what is around. Like the angle that I'm looking at stuff is weird because of my gender situation where I feel like a phenomenon as a my gender is like a, a happening and not grounded in like a binary framework type vibe. But mm -hmm. so, that, but I would see people who were like being kind of coded, I guess. Mm. Like I was, I, I don't know who I was. I was telling one of y'all the other day about as a child, my mom loved the fucking game show network and had it on all the time. And her favorite <laughs> game was the match game. So I would watch it with her sometimes. And when I was like a toddler, I loved Charles Nelson Riley so much. Because oh, he yes. was the funniest one by a lot. It's not even close how much Charles Nelson Riley was funnier than the other panelists on that show. <laughs> because he's a faggot. Like, he's doing <laughs> faggy stuff. And I was like, that's really good. And by the same token, and I talked about this way back on, like, a, like a found representation episode. We talked about um, stuff we had to just make representational in our heads on Tranos. Is Bugs Bunny... In, you know, not just in drag, but the way that Bugs just lies his ass off because it's funny to do. Mm -hmm. Like, and this is a weird thing for a trans person to say, but trickery is like so gender. <laughs> <laughs> and seeing people who are like, seeing characters who are like above characters or people, like in the case of Charles Nelson Riley, a real person, who was just like kind of above what was happening or just to the side of, you know, and that like kind of mid-century representation, like from the 50s to the 70s, mm -hmm. the gayest men in the world, they had no idea. Liberace, I just never, I guess I just never found the right girl. Yeah. <laughs> but, the right girl for you as a boy. <laughs> you know, you, you had like you know, I was thinking this in terms of like Walter Mercado, right? Yeah. Walter Mercado never verified one way or another, but it was like almost like the question was rude. I'm like, sorry, is, is that the the, the fortune teller who just recently died? Yeah, 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 the the astrologer who was like you know to the Latin American community, like you know whatever you believe you tuned into Walter Mercado, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, uh, he in many, many interviews, and I think Netflix did something about his life, so. like, recently, but, um, like, he, he, the questions started coming, not early in the career, but as we got into a time where, like, it was more edgy and controversial to bring up this topic, you know, like, so, you know, you're not married, you're older, what the fuck? You do all yeah. your work in like a hardcore Emma Frost cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And like, you know, there there is something about like that kind of like, 
you know, above it that like, you know, we, we certainly like know, and, you know, and I think this kind of shift to like being like, oh, that's kind of a rude question, like, which is like kind of what Ricky Martin tried to play off for so many years, right? Like, you know, to Barbara Walters, whatever it's like, like, why are you asking me that? You know, and, and at one time I was thinking, oh, well, I kind of agree. It's not her fucking business, <laughs> right? You know, and most recently, um, young, uh, uh, what is it, Young M.A.? Mm. You know, she's been very, like, she's been asked in interviews pointedly, like, are you a dyke? What's up? You know, because you've never, like, confirmed or denied it. And it's kind of like, you know, and her response is kind of like, you know, that, what, what the fuck are you talking about? Why are we having Yeah, Tom Burke had that same response however many years ago because people were asking something about that character that he played the two bisexual twins or whatever. Right. They were, like, right, gangsters, right, right. and he was, like what the fuck like in the middle of like a, a press conference he was just like what are you getting at because they kept saying like oh I, you identify with the characters don't you didn't you say you identify with the characters He's like what the fuck does that have to do with anything he was like very offended or not offended but he was very like who is this you, you know tom hardy. tom hardy tom hardy oh yeah 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 he's an actor of course he's had gay sex <laughs> right we all saw those pictures Babe. Uh, right, yeah. right, 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 right. I mean, you know, and that's that's kind of the thing, you know. I I wonder if, you know, and I feel like I'm mixed emotions. You know, I've obviously thought about a lot of these things. You know, we, we're trying to run a queer entertainment company. I'm I'm thinking like always, how important is it to like represent something versus like represent it and say that this is what you're representing. Mm -hmm. Right. Because on one level, it's for whoever identifies with it. Right. And that that has always been art, whether it's a mm -hmm. fucking poem, you know, somebody may have written, you know, a poem, let's say our poet in residence at NQL, Blake Morrison, like and and they wrote it specifically about something that happened in their lives. And somebody gets, you know, somebody reads it and says, oh, that's so similar or that that represents the same kind of thing or metaphor for something I went through in my life. Do we need to like, you know, to get that like check the box idea that we represented, say that we are representing non-binary or this or that, you know, or can we just have characters just be, you know, you were talking about just be and that, you know, totally <laughs> uh, fits what I'm trying to say is like, you know, non-binary to me has always represented the idea of not participating in social constructs that we know came from the power structure, right? Mm -hmm. The idea of what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? You know, what does it mean to even encompass this gender? Like It's like strictly baked thing? into the word, right? Like there's, right. there's binary genders. You're either a man or a woman or oops, you're not. <laughs> right. And it's the something about, I think, when, the way what you were describing makes me think of representation as kind of like a like an inverted um, like bell distribution, mm. where mm. if there is no representation, if there's no intentional representation, if there's no authorial intent to portray queerness, then it's for straight people. This is the the y axis is whether it's for straight people, and the x axis is like how hard they're doing the representation for sure. the viewers at home. And then there's like a middle point where every like, you know, I'm going to wrap around back a little bit to um, the Chris Claremont run of the X-Men. He wrote that shit for 16 years and did not write a, a straight woman in that 
in 16 years, which is an unprecedented run <laughs> with like, un, like relatively unprecedented, un, unthinkable now editorial oversight. Um, the amount of editorial oversight he had was so minimal that he just could just do anything. And wow. or I do want to say that um, the reason that we have Star Trek still this way is because though like in the 60s, two guys who kind of liked each other. That's that was so gay. And the entire right. Star Trek fandom was women who invented slash fiction to talk about the feelings that they got from Star Trek. <laughs> so there's like a medium amount of representation where you don't say what it is. But it's there, and right. that is the least. That's the that's the that's the queerest version of it. Is if you are queer and you can identify queerness, then it's like exploding with queerness. And then the more intentional it is, the more it's for straight people again. Like um, agreed, like agreed. We were talking. You talked last week about the two gay characters in Overwatch. Uh, yeah. Originally, great. like the face of the game Tracer is she's a lesbian and you know she like that character is like very like shiny sparkly dyke i think she's probably like a very like so let's is she a lipstick lesbian no it's like like very chapstick like she has like one of her one of several of her skins were like olympic runner for oh, okay. Great Britain okay. type vibes. You know, Got she goes you. fast. She's like, <laughs> like five, five, 120, but all cardio. Powerhouse. All, all cardio, no yeah, weight. Like, no, no beef. She's just like, what, like, and that's like a very acceptable, harmless kind of lesbian. And I do want to circle back to portrayals of lesbians and how harmful they have been. Sure. But then the other character was like early 50s. You know, built like a brick shit house, like dad character, Ooh, and that was the one that wasn't okay, oh, because he's like ours. extremely mask. You know, his one of his skins is like golf dad. That was his. <laughs> that was the sports skin that he had compared to the sprinting skin. Golf dad, oh my and God. that is unacceptable to people because men having sex with men is gay. Women having sex with women isn't gay. But right. a huge, like, billion-dollar company going, it's these two. These are the ones, okay? Babe, I don't fucking care. Mm. I could not imagine caring because, you know, there's a straight character who is, like, a six-foot-tall uh, powerlifter woman. And that's the gay one. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, that, that is... That is- I love that they were like, no fags on the golf course. Fuck this shit. (laughs) The way that they, like, straight people trying to talk to straight people is, and y'all don't know this, maybe, but the way white, like, white people talking to each other about black people is nonsense. And we know, like, or it's like, it's like when white people try to use Ave to, like, talk to just each other. Mm-hmm. Like it's a team of like only white interlocutors trying to use Ave on each other and just not using the language. Right. right. So, I mean, like that's, that's actually interesting. So like, there's a lot of conversation on like the ring of power and like the amount of like quote unquote diversity, because apparently anybody who ever read J.R.R. Tolkien always just imagined all the characters were white, even though Tolkien is not 
like expressing that right representation like you know we actually were talking i do want to say because I, I forgot about this but you mentioned this sure. before but there are like there's stuff about it but there's stuff that like people are adding to it like for example the harfoots the kind of the main kind of hobbit is described as brown right so hobbits right. should be browner um he intentionally he was kind of tolkien is to jews what tarantino is to black people he liked them too much and it got kind of weird but dwarves are supposed to be jewish and dwarvish is like a semitic constructed language because he, right. he did think about these things but he also did not say the elves are white because they predate around earth like right. the things that people have to reach for Right, right, right. So right, far right. outside of the purview of the text or of the adaptations. But it's because, like, they need to consume it a specific way. So right. that's why it's okay for Tracer to be gay, but not Soldier 76. That's why it's okay for there to be one black friend, but not black people mixed into the first race of Middle Earth. Right. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's the thing. Like, you're, you're, you know, when I'm watching these things and because of everything that we do, I'm, like, constantly trying to, like, pay attention to what am I seeing, right? You know, and I think ideally in my brain, and this will lead to one another question I had to you. Um, in my brain, it was kind of, like, what I want to see most is, like, the kind of, like, deconstruction or pointing out of, like, how all of these kind of things are a construct, right? Mm -hmm. And that colorism is a very specific thing. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, xenophobia is a very specific thing. And that, you know, when we're looking for improvements in this thing, these things, what, like, we're really saying, I was, like, kind of, like, pulling apart and, and exposing where this con these constructs come from and letting people live a little bit more free of them, right? Mm -hmm. And, and I say this because, like, why is this important? And, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, why do you think, you know, better representation among these things is important to the queer community? Not just something mm -hmm. that is ticking in, in, you know, an intersectional box or, like, you know, speaking to, like, the voices in the crowd crying for representation. Why is it specifically important to the queer community? I love this in question. Your eyes. So there's, there's, like, a correct answer, right? And then there's, like, the true answer. Which right. one of those, the correct answer is that, you know, as we're recording this on Wednesday, if you fuck with us and I fuck with you, you're hearing it on Thursday and you know what all the <laughs> results are in your voting. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right, right. We know that like, for example, like DeSantis and Abbott both got reelected last night, right? Mm -hmm. And those are people who are, you know, not to be alarmist, but it's exactly like the Holocaust. These are people who are free to say like anything they want about trans people or, you know, queer people who are cis but work near children and like, you know, down and down and down. It gets so granular. They're allowed to say anything they want about us. And then there are people who don't know that they know any queer people. And then they'll just go, mm -hmm. OK. Right. But if there right. are queer people and if there are people of color and if there are people of different religious backgrounds in stuff that is for general consumption, then people who are exposed to that won't automatically believe the first thing they heard about uh, trans people coming into your window at night and stealing your kids or 
about you know, Jewish people drinking your children or <laughs> any of these tropes that are just like rehashed over and over again because if people are othered enough and secret enough, then mm. they'll never know. The true answer is that gay people are better at art. <laughs> Woohoo! And porn. Yeah, I'm and not gonna lie. these things intertwine. <laughs> like, I have a list here of different kinds. Of, like, you know, we talked a lot about games because a lot of young people, you know, like there's there's adults now who may have never had cable and have never minded not having cable. Mm. Because the primary way that a lot of like Gen Z people engaged with media is on the dang iPad. Or, you know, like, these are kids who, like, had phones that, like, had smartphones as kids. Right. Right, right, right. Single-digit ages in some situations. So they've been on the internet exposing themselves to all kinds of wild shit. And (laughs) (laughs) that is, like, a self-guided journey of, I think I am interested in this. I think I want to see this. You know, this digital native is, like, something that was thrown around a lot, like, 15 years ago. That is kind of defunct now because we're learning that that's not how it works. But people who grew up playing like console video games or even like heavier duty PC video games are now adults who are making shit for younger people. So, you know, Undertale came out in 2015 and that was like a huge meme because it's like an E-rated game, right? It's like not pornographic, but it does refer to like a lot of 90s source material that children at the time like middle school age kids could get into um there's a series of games called monster prom which is gorgeous (laughs) and i encourage everyone to check out because it's a little it's cute little dating game where you date monsters (laughs) and everyone every single character is queer every single character is at least bisexual which is a common thing in games um but they're all Mm. like different kinds of like cultural representation and the game is aware of how to talk about queerness because it's like by and for queer people, even if it's not like the message. Because like right. the bell, the bell curve, it sits in the middle. Like this is for gay people. We all know what gay people are. We don't need to talk about it. Right, right, I, right, right, right. I do want to shout out in particular my favorite game of all time and the best game I've ever played of all time. These are two games: uh, New Vegas, Fallout New Vegas from 2011, and Disco Elysium from 2019. Those are both nice. role-playing games where there's a more gay. Role-playing games have more representation because very often the character they need to represent is you. So if you're queer, then you need to have at least one gay romance option. Otherwise, you're missing out, right? Right, But this is a game where um, in New Vegas, the first thing that happens is Matthew Perry shoots you in the head and then you wake up in the doctor's (laughs) office with, like, brain damage. But as you gain your experience, you get access to perks which are traits that your character has, like immutable traits of your character. And there are four sexuality perks in that game. There's Ooh. there's male and female characters. There's not like gender perks. But ma- uh, male characters get confirmed bachelor, which lets them say gay things to gay characters. Ooh. And um, what is the... <laughs> God damn it. What is the straight one? I don't remember the straight man one. Ah, fuck that. We don't need... Like, many, <laughs> don't like need... most people who played Fallout New Vegas, 
I'm trans. Um, <laughs> and the female ones are uh, Black Widow, which lets you say sexy things to men and also gives you a damage bonus against male characters. And Cherche <laughs> La Femme, which lets you say, you know, like lavender shit to women. And nice. these are like practical things that like give you the ability to like access queer stuff in the That's world. So interesting. Like if you were a gay man, there is a mission that you can avoid doing by flirting with the guy who gives it to you. Because... I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That that's is amazing. So that's beautiful. I is wish it... I like got into video games because this sounds so fun. Do, do, do they... they check us out on Twitch? Um <laughs> asterisk, asterisk. Do they what? Um, do like do like if you flirt with them and like you avoid like that mission, do they give you another mission or like No, it's just like, hey, being gay is free. Oh my god, that's beautiful. <laughs> It's, it's a really beautiful. good mission, like a, but it is hard. It's like, an, and it's, it's like an access card. And it's it's early in the game, too, because it like, so if you have this early in the game, it teaches you that you should tell people that you're gay and <laughs> gay people will like you more. The other game that I was talking about. Oh, so are you going to get laid? You, and you, yeah, you can fuck in this game. Oh my God. <laughs> Wait, what is it called? Again? Fallout New Vegas. Fallout New Vegas. I'm writing this down. <laughs> Um, and the other game I was talking about is Disco Elysium, which um, is amazing, and everybody should pirate it right now because <laughs> the people, the art collective who invented this game and invented this world, is in a legal battle with the investors who helped them make the game and seem to have bought out the minority investors using the money's revenue. And that is a crime. Uh, check out the art collective ZA slash UM are my Estonian comrades and maybe play the sequel if they win this legal battle. But that is a game nice. about a, you're, you play as a cop who hates himself so much. Um, before the events of the game, the character <laughs> goes on, a, on a, a such a bender that you wake up without knowledge. It sounds like me every day. Like this, the character <laughs> doesn't know anything about the world, but as you're playing this game, um, your character can embark on mind projects and like the character oh, can wow. become a communist or become a fascist. If the, if the character's like, I'm a police officer and people aren't being nice enough to me, it can occur to your character to become a fascist. Or <laughs> this is like a post, it's an Estonian game, so it's like post-revolutionary. They mm. had a communist revolution and it just didn't shake out and now the world is run by liberals again. Oops. Wow. Um, but you can, you can, there's a part this where you can meet a character who is wearing like the, like the gauzy, like half kimono tied around the waist and he's okay. smoking on the balcony and you can talk to your partner and go, what was that? What was he? What was him? And the partner's like, I think he was just gay. And he's like, and your character can go, am I gay? And then you can click a button that for two real-time hours, your character is going, I wonder if I'm gay. <laughs> I wonder if I'm a part of the homosexual underground. And uh, in, in contrast to New Vegas, the only benefit of that is that you can talk to your partner and go, I'm gay, are you gay? And he'll go, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Do they fuck? 
Do no. they fuck after? That? No. If you, if you, Aaron's like crossed up. If you get us. on Twitter and type it and like check the Disco Elysium tag, uh, yes. But in the game, no. <laughs> yes. It's just like, you're like, hey, Kim, I think I'm gay. And Kim's like, great, me too. We're investigating a murder. <laughs> oh my god that's awesome uh, so thank you for those recommendations those were such awesome examples and like like sorted through an area that felicia and i were very deficit ridden in really and it's fascinating to hear of like you know these kind of like interactive games and like how they work mm -hmm. you know just from like a techie nerdy like standpoint but because we are still a sex podcast at heart i have to ask you what is your favorite sex scene in queer entertainment media whatever whatever genre you know because i know a lot of things even comics often like do out sex scenes i remember somebody showing me at one point this queer sex scene in a comic and i don't remember what the fuck it was i, I was am like, going to hot. i'm going to talk past the question and uh over over like give you more than you wanted um fuck yeah <laughs> so I, so uh, I do want to shout out one of the most damaging queer sex scenes of all time. Actually, let me pull something up so that I can really put you onto some shit. Uh, oh shit! <laughs> reaction time. Reaction video time. <laughs> or reaction um, podcast. <laughs> in a video game by a company called Bioware called Mass Effect One, which is beautiful. It's a wonderful video game. Um, there. This was in 2007, so it's pretty limited on as far as representation goes. But there is a male character you can romance, a female character you can romance, and an alien who is a girl, but they're all girls, so she's bisexual. Got you. But you're, you can be a woman and pursue this alien character. Fox News hated that so much that they like ran stories about it, and the publisher was like, T turn it down in the second game. So there's a character in Mass Effect 2 named Jack who looks like this. Ooh. And they took her queerness out of the game. Oh, wow. No, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> they fi they finished the character and like, actually, she's o she only likes boys. No fucking way. <laughs> so like there are a lot of like oh, okay. high 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 fi high definition um, queer sex scenes in that series, but because of its size, it does it isn't gay. You know, it, go, it oh, gets yeah. to the and end for, of the spectrum. For our listeners, B, please describe what 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 this looks this like. This character, subject zero in Mass Effect Two, Jack, is a full body tattooed, like. Bald. Yeah, completely shaven head, tattoos on her scalp and in her ear, kind of um, like almost like psychic cyberpunk leather dyke vibes, but very similar to Frankie or B. Vanian, the porn person, the <laughs> non binary porn. Uh, right, star, right, right, right. Who, I was. I literally thought of them when he pulled yeah, that like, up. <laughs> all, like, yeah, Jack has Jack has her boobs still, but other than that, very <laughs> similar vibes, fully straight. But there are yeah. also I do want to talk about. <laughs> I do want to talk about um, a game called Hard Coded, which is like a little pixel 
game about you are a trans android and this this is just a porn game. You're a trans android who like escapes captivity because you're a real person. You're such an advanced android that you break out and all you do is hang out with all your, your all the other dolls who help you and you embark on these adventures and you fuck each other. And everyone is trans, you know, in the game and it's really great. And everyone should oh. check it out. You can get at it for only one dollar on Patreon every month. Wait, wait, what? That's amazing. I, yeah, fuck, that's that's and it's actually like it's it's a porn game, right? So you're supposed to jack off to it, but it's called yeah. hard coded because when you meet the first human character in the game, she goes, "What's your name?" And you say, "It's complicated. My name is hard coded into my programming." My like my I can't I can't tell you my name without telling you my dead name, which I don't relate to anymore and isn't my business. But my my programming makes it so I have to tell you, or I can just explain that my name is hard coded, and so all the characters call you HC because when you don't say your dead name, you say it's hard coded. They call you HC instead, which is so That's deeply trans. Cool. Obviously, that's ins- that's wild. But this is a meat so beating wild. game, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that that has a very interesting. I didn't even know this was a genre. I'm, I'm I really didn't. And like, this, again, this is the thing. If if all it is is if you're a queer person who can make money by sitting around and drawing queer people fuck each other, that's a market that is if if you, like if you can pull that off. You have no restrictions, right? It's just you making art for other queer people. And there's no like signal feedback on that because you're just Uh, like, I want to make these big muscly, like they're both trans, they're both lesbians. They're both like extremely clocky because they're visibly 200 pounds of muscle. But this is like a tender sapphic moment that they're sharing and there is no way to convince the people who make decisions to let you do that. Right. And that's why I also, right. I want to shout out um, Sunstone, which was a comic uh, published by Top Cow a couple of years ago, which is a small indie. And you can get it for free. You can download the PDFs for free because it's so old. But there is a, oh my God, what is, his name is Step Stepjan Sedchik. I think it's Slavic or Balkan. He's one of mm-hmm. one of those countries. And Sunstone is a comic book with like the his art is so incredible. It is about two women who enter like meet each other online and then enter into like a really cute um, DS uh, dynamic. And it's a comic about how they navigate that stuff and how they like get really into their kinks while also having to act normal at their day jobs and then interacting with each other as real people and as a dominant and a submissive and the level of detail that he puts into all the gear that they have is more than next level. And this is something too, is um, you have to support this stuff, this like horny queer media because no one else is going to do it. Like, if you want to, like, I struggle with queer video games because the vast majority of them are stuff people made in their room by themselves, and they're what what you call visual novels. So it's, like, drawings 
and reading, which I think isn't a video game, but being able to make a, like significant enough choices, being able to create like branching decision trees that like let sure. the person be like that. And that's the ultimate representation. Right. And I guess that's why we're sticking to video games so much. If I get to do what I would do in mm-hmm. a video game, that's the pinnacle of representation. Right. Because someone thought someone without knowing who I am thought of me and let me be myself. That's wow. Aww, well said. That's beautiful. No, no, that's that's wouldn't it be great if we reach that point where no matter what, like the and and maybe we will, you know, you saw this a little bit like with Netflix, like the choose your own ending kind of stuff happening, right? Like, you know, wouldn't it be great if they could create like a version or an algorithm or something in a movie where like you can choose everything that you want as far as choose like your own representation things. yeah choose your own representation i mean that that would be altered an, an adaptation of the shadow over innsmouth where at the end you get to pick what the metaphor was mm. am i black am i jewish am i a gay what was right. lovecraft so scared of <laughs> <laughs> i might even be italian okay so because like i i'm like still profoundly interested in the answer to this question like what what like uh queer sex scene like oh yeah excited you the most (laughs) answer the fucking question but i mean this out of pure curiosity i have this actually okay good I'm, i'm I'm looking, I'm scanning my notes. There is a game that came out maybe two years ago. Th- yeah, two years ago called Hades, which is uh, wonderful. It is a game where you play as the son of Hades, Zagreus, mm-hmm. and you want to see your mom, uh, Persephone. Okay. You know, because in Greek myth, uh, Persephone loved Hades and Hades loved her. And um, her mother, Demeter, who was in charge of seasons, didn't want to let her out of her sight. So what they created, they contrived, and again, this is gender because it's lies. They contrived a situation where Persephone like accidentally ate some pomegranate seeds. So now wow. half of the year she spends in Hades with Hades. And that right. is where winter comes from in Greek mythology. Um, right, right, right. But so this is, you're like a, a muscle twink fighting, <laughs> you're fighting your way out of hell over and over again in this game. And mm-hmm. part of the progress is that when you get back to the home base, you can talk to uh, Thanatos, the god of death, or Megara, one of the Furies, who is the first boss and she whips you. This is important <laughs> for later. Um, the more you talk to these characters, like you can level up your relationships with them. And you can, like, begin, like, romantic and sexual relationships with these characters at the same time. And there is a scene where uh, Megara, like, rope tops the your character and Thanatos helps. Wow. <laughs> so this is- we're going we're gonna to need that in a, just a copy in our Dropbox. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And this is, like... Um, I think these are all things that you can pay people for, except for Disco Elysium. Wait until that shakes out. Um, nice. Yes, download illegally that one. But the, yeah, this is. 
and that's that, that that also has um I want to mention we're gonna need not... a legal de- legal department at NQO soon. <laughs> there's also um, Achilles and Patroclus in that game from uh, the Iliad. Oh my god, I've had a, a sex role play with one of my partners uh, with Achilles. I think many people have. It was yeah. t- the people have been working on this for like five thousand years. <laughs> Because it, it's in the fucking book. Oh my god! Um, it's really like uh, Achilles lives in the house of Hades with you, and Patroclus is trapped in. Oh yeah, it's it, trapped in Elysium, which is Greek heaven, and that's why Disco Elysium is called that because it's good instead of bad. It's not Disco Inferno; it's Disco Elysium. <laughs> That's beautiful. Um, but you like you become like a go-between for these like class like in the most accurate specific definition these classic uh gay lovers like you like go back and forth in your runs and part of the thing is i need to get at least this far so that i can tell patroclus what achilles wanted me to tell him oh my god interesting ah b i love you so i guess I'm in charge of wrapping this convo up, but we could talk to you for literally fucking ever. We might have to make it a part two out of this because I have I feel more. Like I, even, I I know you do. I mean, what the fuck? you're like, wait, we didn't get to my uh, third page or my sixth page. Or <laughs> so, um, a big question that we kept asking is, what is you know, what are the examples of media that we think the kids, if you will, are watching right now? And, you know, if you have anything that you could recommend and or some of your favorites or something that you didn't like that you wouldn't want to show, uh, you know, the younger generations, if mm-hmm. you will, what first pops to mind, you know, give us a couple. Okay. In descending age order. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. Um, <laughs> if you feel washed I do really recommend Disco Elysium. This is about someone who is like a late stage alcoholic and then by a miracle becomes a different person. Interesting. And that's incredible. Um, If you're, I'd say people who want to see representation for like, you know, in like, if you're not, if you're not old and if you're not a young adult, if you're just adult, um, I really recommend Psychonauts 2, which is not primarily about this, but there is um, like a gay marriage redemption built into that story, which is really wonderful. One of them is Jack Black. Actually, one of the characters is played by both Jack Black and Elijah Wood. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> because brains get moved into different people's bodies and stuff. Wait, they made, when did they make the sequel to Psychonauts? I played the first one. Uh, 2020. It came out right when I was uh, when I right when I was recovering from my uh, appendectomy. That's fucking awesome. Shout I out never. To I've never been played. I mean, I, I you know, I'm not, I'm not big on games, mm-hmm. but like, there's a couple that came in by word of mouth and the original Psychonauts was one of them. And I remember talking to people about this, even at the Pride Alliance, like this game was something that like, I couldn't believe existed in the sense of going into people's minds Mm -hmm. and like helping them battle their kind of mental demons, if you will. Yeah. In a way, even though they're not like super queer, the conceit does lend itself to 
everybody has a unique particular experience, mm-hmm. even and especially you. And mm-hmm. like considering people in that kind of diversity is really huge. Um, yeah. For 20 somethings, like, which is to say, like, I'm 28. Me until very recently, until, like, last year, when I finally got it together, which is... Because, you know, people who are older have always said, like, your 20s are for making mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to do that, but it is cathartic to play um, Night in the Woods. This is a game made by American communists um, <laughs> nice. about a girl named May who's from, like, she's, like, Pittsburgh area. Oh jeez. She's from like she's from the middle of Pennsylvania. Okay. Like deep rust belt. Um she went away to college um and kept having like really bad dissociative episodes and had to stop. Like there's a story from when she was like in Little League where she had such a bad episode that she like beat the pitcher with a, ba- a bat for a while. Because her wow. her thing is like sometimes things just become shapes and I freak out. But this is a pansexual 20-year-old loser who who is forced by her mental health to return to her hometown. And she wants so badly for it to be the way it was, but it can never be that way again. And there are people who are trying to keep it the way it was by feeding, uh, feeding vagrants to, like, an ancient evil. Oh, shit. So, like, you're just trying to figure your stuff out. You're a 20-year-old, you know, you are hanging out with your old best friend and his boyfriend who are are trapped. They didn't go to college. They're working at the fucking Snack Falcon. Oh, my God. This is like my, was my life. And your friend Beatrice, who could have gone to college, but her mom died of cancer. So now her dad is an alcoholic and she is running the hardware store alone. And she (sighs) hates you because you did what she wanted to do and failed. Wow! <laughs> what the fuck? Yes, that's what I'm talking but there's about. Like, again, this is another <laughs> game where there's like six gay, char- there's six queer characters in it, and it's not about that. It's just that everyone is queer, especially when you're queer, <laughs> right? <laughs> Love that. Um, and then stuff for kids is you know this is kind of late now, but Steven Universe is really great. Like babies first, everything. Uh, there are a lot of valid criticisms about it, but if you're talking to like kids who are like seven to eleven or um, later in the series, probably like thirteen to sixteen, uh, these are the demos that can't put up with like that level of complication. And I think that's mm-hmm. fine, right? As long as it's supplemented by other stuff. That uh, not what's it? Para, you just talked about it. That Netflix show with the trans boy main character. Um, that's gorgeous, and we know that little faggots love to get spooked, so that's perfect for them. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, and then for comics, working in the opposite order, uh, low to high, there are Vita Ayala's New Mutants from last year. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, has yeah. a really good arc in it about about peer pressure weirdly like there is this is an arc about a don't i'm gonna say words don't be intimidated by comics you can read them and have the wiki open at the same time 
<laughs> yeah, oh, I totally, I've like, totally done that. Wolverine's youngest daughter, who is a clone of his clone, who is an adult, but she's like 13, 14. Um, <laughs> she can't have, like, she's, she really wants to have conversations with Logan and her big sister Laura and her big brother Akihiro, but they're just busy. You know, like adults don't always have time for kids. She is hanging out with the other kids who don't feel listened to. The kids she's hanging out with are Anil, who is a little Latina uh, gay lizard boy. <laughs> and Rain Boy, who's made of water, and Kasamar, who is her mutant power um, is her nightmares are real and like come out of her in like a bubble and it like oh disfigured God. her. She has like got like a warped face from her power and she doesn't feel like adults are listening to her either. So what they do is they end up listening to someone who will listen to them, who is the shadow King from the eighties new mutants. And he's like manipulating them and making them, do like weird stuff. Like he's having them switch their bodies and powers around. And she's like, I don't think this is good, but I don't have any adults I can talk to about this. And I think that's like hugely important for like younger queer kids. Oh, fascinating. To have an opportunity to be like, Oh, also one of the kids is no girl who is a brain in a jar. Oh, but they, at this point the X-Men, Mutants can be resurrected, but they were just like, well, there's no reason for her to be resur- like killed and resurrected, even though she doesn't have a body. <laughs> and, and there's a bunch of like political stuff, but what that story is really about is there are kids who are dealing with stuff that is too big for them, and they need right. adults' help, and sometimes adults won't help To either. sort it out, yeah. But that- Gabby succeeds and like figures everything out by like grounding herself and being like, no, I know for a fact that this is wrong mm. and I'm going to find a way to take care of it, which is huge. Um, people in their twenties, I'm going to shout out. I'm going to shout out a mortal Hulk. Um, Al Ewing's Immortal Hulk, which is incredible that has several also queer characters in it, including one of the best, this is a whole arc, this is like 50 issues, one of the best trans characters I've ever seen. Um, Primarily it's about like identity and like managing your mental health. And it has a huge, a huge dollop of like Jewish mysticism in it, which is gorgeous. Um, But there is an arc where there is a character who is hypnotizing the public through the media that huh. the good things the Hulk has done, the Hulk didn't do. It was me all along. And so it's like everyone's being gaslit about this kind this person who in the previous volume or the previous arc what wanted to like destroy capitalism <laughs> is telling you like this person is bad, I'm good. But the only hmm. person who doesn't fall for it is a trans woman. And we don't know that she's trans the whole time. It's revealed that she's trans because she can't, people can't tell her what she knows because people had been telling her that she was a boy and she was a girl. 
You know, Beeb, this is amazing. I want to, like, I have to say just before I forget, like, thank you for connecting all the ways that this is important in terms of, like, you know, people um, hearing, you know, reading and participating, you know, especially younger people, like, you know, why this is important, why this is good for, like, the health to be able to talk about these things in this kind of way in your, you know, entertainment and in the representation. Yeah, and thank you for... Yeah, because it's it's huge because like I talk about this all the time with history, like we often don't know our history. Queer history is so fragmented and suppressed that a lot of people don't know how many dots there are to connect from like the beginning of human history to now. Right. Like I like I I just tweeted about this is the first book. The first vampire novel is about a lesbian. That's bad that lesbians were predators for like le- like lesbians as predators is like a really popular trope to this day but it's like baked in to like there are people who think vampires can be straight and that's just not true for example <laughs> but for adults I did, and then for like grown up level grown ups I want to shout out I'm going to go back to X-Men and god what is the best just check out, just poke around. Like, if you're a full-grown adult, most of the characters are, like, in their 30s now. And mm. the representation abounds. Like, um, Kitty Pride is an adult now. She's an adult pirate captain named Kate. She finally kissed a girl on panel. And she's probably, nice. like, 25, 26. And that's huge. Um, Exterminators, I want to shut that out again because it's mature audiences only. It's a grindhouse nice. book about uh, just babes being hot and killing vampires. Um, <laughs> nice. The primary X Men, they're not allowed, and this is why representation in the middle level is so important. They will never be allowed to say that Cyclops and Wolverine and Jean Grey are in a triad, but they nice. are. Like they portray it in the art. When we see the layout of their house, their rooms are connected. <laughs> um, that's fascinating Scott is like has you know it's like a barely secret but like Scott is also continuing his relationship with Emma so he, they're like a full ass polycule for like adults to understand uh, yeah, they are. but they they can never say so if you're mature enough to like be investigating queer themes in these books they're all over the place it's just that in this case what you gotta do is you got to seek it out. Like if you, this sounds interesting to you, but if you're like paralyzed by it, um, don't stop listening right now, but do after this, listen to Cerebro uh, podcast where the tagline is a homo and his friends discuss the X-Men. Yes. Yes. I've checked this one out. Yeah. Beautiful. Cause really what it is, is if you aren't, born into it like when i was talking about how i have been playing games since i was like four then you don't know where the entry points are and you have to hear from queer people where the juice is yeah very well said yeah because that that speaks to one of the first questions i asked you like how are you hearing about these subsequent other things that you hear about and like you know i i've thought that even with just knowing you fortunately <laughs> that like you know i have these questions clearly like we're interested in these themes but like 
you know, where do you go? And I think that's been great about us doing these new formats of the screw is like really figuring out how do we actually start knowing and exploring things that we are interested in knowing and exploring. And, and this really is an about, example of what we're yeah. like we're talking about it and now it's being disseminated. Exactly. Ah, oh, fuck yeah, we're geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did it. <laughs> So B, before we let you go, I would like to ask you to pimp yourself however you would like to pimp yourself. You don't have to, but you can use this time to pimp whatever the fuck you want. Absolutely. Um, listen to this podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, and if, you're, if you're if you are a regular screw uh, listener, make sure to uh, uh, subscribe on whatever platform. And to? if you're a regular screw, if you're one of our regular screws, you better be fucking subscribing and following. <laughs> It'll fall off if you don't. Um, if, you're like an, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts uh, on Spotify, make sure to give us the five stars so that more people can find out where to find gay shit. Um, listen mm. to Tranos and the Lived Experience on this same network um, yeah. every other Monday. Listen to I Haven't Heard That Name in Years every other Thursday where Hannah Harkness does her her live memoirs for us. Um, Fuck yeah. Cardboard yeah. Time. Yes, listen to the Cardboard Time where Arwen Kathke, uh sorts, gets, works her way through her shelf of board game shame. God, we sure are busy out here. Um, follow me on Twitter while you can. Uh, the Human Suplex. Are you moving moving to Matt, Matt Mastodon or whatever the hell it's called? Babe, I might go back to Tumblr. They got titties again? <laughs> we'll see. Do they have titties again? They have titties again. They, oh, that's amazing. It's one of those ones where like they have to... It's like... You know, you know, we t- like, we, th- we, this show talks about it all the time. You can't be like, this is my job. But you sure can whip them out. So... <laughs> Good you know, to know. Mixed blessing. You can find me on Tumblr at <laughs> Right. <laughs> you can find us all back on Tumblr. <laughs> um, Maybe we could get a following on there for New Crew Order. You never know. You kinda like There was a time that. when that would have been the the wave. <laughs> Maybe it will be again. Thanks, Elon. With your bitch. Yeah, fuck <laughs> Okay. And that's that's me. <laughs> thank you again to b jordan for being our special guest this week be sure to like and subscribe as b told you to and listen next week we'll have some more we don't know what we're going to talk about but it'll be good fuck yeah thanks again b thank you